0: Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody.
1: This week we've got Sebastian Saul on the show. He's a young fellow who is a Law of Abundance and Manifestation coach. And I wanted to have him on because he has some novel ideas about how we can get off of what all the problems are in our lives and create the life that we want. So I'm looking forward to chatting with him and, and getting some really direct points of things that you guys can use and that I can use to make our lives better. So I hope you enjoy the show. Remember to subscribe, like, and share the show. And let's get to our chat with Sebastian. Sebastian, welcome to the show. So delighted to have you.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: You bet. And you're in Hungary and it's midday here in Sweet Home, Alabama, (laughs) where I am. And it's evening where you are in Hungary. I was just telling you about my girlfriend who's a... Hungarian countess, and it sounds way fancier than it is because their family lost everything in the war. But, you know, she doesn't make me curtsy when she comes in or anything, but she'd probably like that if I did. So welcome, welcome. Is the law of attraction concept even real?
2: (laughs) That's a very good question. (laughs) Right, fire it on in the the first, uh, let's say the first moment of the interview. I love that question. I nowadays believe 100% that it's real. And I believe that it's real because I healed my body with it. I manifested a lot of money with it. I manifested a wonderful relationship with it. And I would say for everyone who believes that it's not real, to just do the work, to do the steps and to then see what changes in your life. Like even if you don't believe at all, like a lot of people, for example, a lot of my coaching clients, they say like, yeah, but how can I overcome my doubt and all my worries and how can I overcome this? I'm like, just do it. Just get started with it. See the first synchronicities flying in, the first changes in your life, the first small manifestations. And the more that adds up, the more you will believe.
1: I agree. I've watched it happen in my life too. And that's why I really wanted to have you on because I thought, all right, let's do a deep dive on this and see what this is all about and see how we can help people. What's it mean when you say we're imprinting on our subconscious mind?
2: I believe when it comes to manifesting, there are two different ways how we can change as human beings. We can change consciously by, for example, changing, let's Take a very practical example. Let's say somebody who wants to manifest more money. We can change the way we walk. We can change the way we talk about money. We can change the way we, yeah, even dress how we feel more abundant, which can all benefit us in that process of becoming that rich and wealthy person or let's say that rich and wealthy version of ourselves that we want to become. And these are conscious changes that we can consciously make. But then again, there's another part, which is what I believe... Yeah, I mean, I'm still a little bit, let's say, divided if one is more important than the other, but let's say they both play a big part because I believe you have to be able to do it with your eyes open and with your eyes closed. And when it comes to subconscious changes, that's what happens when you close your eyes, when you go, for example, into meditation. You go into those beautiful brain waves where your subconscious mind is very receptive to change. And, <coughs> excuse me, Um and by then, feeling certain emotions, by feeling as if what you want is already in your life, that's how you can then draw it to you. And I truly believe that the more we go into these meditative states and the more we reach for these emotions, the more we reach for these feelings, for these frequencies of, for example, abundance, if you want to manifest money, of love, if you want to manifest a loving relationship, of wholeness, if you want to manifest healing, um, that the more we do that, the more we imprint on our subconscious mind that this new state, this new reality that is at the moment just happening basically between our ears when we close our eyes, that this state is in fact our reality. That our brain cannot differentiate at some point between the emotions that we feel during the meditation and whether or not these emotions come just from us practicing it or from us really living in that state. And that's when things change.
1: I agree. And I, what, it's been my experience that all thought has a vibration. And the body and the universe is picking up that vibration. To your point about is it real? Is it imagined? It's just picking up the signal. So it doesn't know. The universe doesn't know if this is a real thing, if it's actually happening right now or it's something in our imagination. It's going to match it.
2: Would you agree? How would you explain that? I see it when it comes to thoughts and vibrations. I actually see them as two different things. Um, I differentiate nowadays, and that's just my personal point of view, between thoughts, vibrations, and frequencies. For me, a thought is something when I, for example, say, as an example, I I say over and over again, without any emotional impact, I'm rich, wealthy, I'm rich and 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 wealthy. And all the time that I do this, my subconscious mind, because there's no emotional charge, there's no elevated emotion, my subconscious mind res- responds with, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. However, <laughs> when I then add the emotional charge with it, that's when my subconscious mind feels like, Hey, something is shifting there. Something is going on inside that dude. What's, what's happening here? Something is changing. He never felt these emotions before. Suddenly he feels abundant. He feels financially wealthy. He feels free. Okay. I guess a new reality is coming. And that's for me, the perfect, you can say, they're the perfect tango between vibration and thoughts. And what I believe nowadays is essential for, um, reaching frequencies is to manifest with your heart and when I speak about this, I always have to be, let's say, very honest that these thoughts don't really 100% originate from me, but they come from the teachings of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, I went to three week long advanced retreats already and he places a lot of value on brain and heart coherence and during the last week long advanced retreat I was, I had this insane, very intense realization That if I stay connected with my heart, which is somehow sending out my Wi Fi signal into the universe, and I stay connected with my heart throughout the whole meditation, no matter if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, one hour, two hours, I physically focus on my heart, then that was at least my hypothesis. This Wi Fi signal should be on all the time because where awareness goes, no, sorry, where awareness, what's this called again? Something with energy. Yeah, where awareness goes, energy flows. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> just thought of, just forgot about it. Um, so where awareness goes, energy flows. And I focus my awareness on my heart while I at the same time play with the clear intention, which is what I want to manifest. For example, a certain picture or a little movie scene in my mind um, of if you want to manifest money, for example, seeing yourself in a sports car. And then with the elevated emotion, That's when I then draw it back from the field, from that possibility of the quantum field into my reality. And I truly believe that when I stay focused, physically focused, and place my awareness on my heart and feel that vibration in my heart while I do that, that's when I reach the frequency.
1: Okay, so I think we're saying the same thing. thoughts don't originate it's been my experience thoughts don't originate in our heads we bring them in from the ethers based on what we're thinking at any given moment and and i agree with you that a lot of it has to do with what's going on in our subconscious thoughts so we need to figure out a way to get be cognizant of what's happening there as well and then thoughts have frequencies that are are broadcast on kind of like radio stations, almost like turn into 94.7 to listen to classic rock. (laughs) You know, that's the music that's being broadcast on that station. I agree with you. And so the key though, however, is how do you add the emotion to something you're imagining? Is it something that we could do and think about when we watch a movie? like Terms of Endearment, I don't know, it's probably way before you were ever born, but <laughs> oh my gosh, that movie was, it just made me almost sob. I was on a date, this was probably, I don't know, 40 years ago. Yeah, and, that was, well, was, before was before I was you born. Were born. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely before you were born. But, but I was on a date in the movie theater, Sebastian, and I held my breath during the times when it was so sad because I was afraid if I breathed, that uh, that I would just have this big moan <laughs> or groan or something in the audience. <laughs> so is that a way for us to feel the feelings? Because I think saying feel the feelings when you're imagining things and doing it, how do you do it?
2: That's a really good question. Um, I believe it's it's a practice. You can get good at it. I mean, when I, for example, remember on my healing journey, Um, back then I wasn't able to run, wasn't able to go to the gym, wasn't able to play basketball. And I love basketball. That's why I always use this as an example. And I still remember how I imagined like, what would it feel like to be able to do these things again? And at the same time, I felt a lot of physical pain. And I then in the beginning didn't feel anything. I just couldn't get the feeling. I was like, often I was meditating for five minutes and breaking down crying. I mean, that's a very extreme example right now, but just to illustrate that point. But the more I tried it and the more, I also consumed things that made me believe in these feelings. For example, what I did back then was to watch a lot of videos from the NBA players who are like celebrating when they uh, when they win a certain game or something, like just something where I could catch that feeling a little bit. So let's say in the beginning, let's use another example. A lot of my coaching clients, they always want to manifest financial freedom. Um, so let's use the example of financial freedom. Let's say you never felt financially free ever in your whole life. Like you never felt rich and wealthy. You have no clue how it feels, no idea. The first step that I would take would be to think about a time, and it doesn't have to be related to money, where you felt a positive emotion. It can be a time where you felt happiness, where you felt joy, excitement. And then imagine you would transfer this emotion on the goal of financial abundance. So you just feel that feeling that you felt before, that you know in your, let's say in your memory, how it feels. And I think most people, 99% of people have at least at some point felt happiness, joy, excitement, even if it was just for one day, or even if it was just for you as a child when Christmas is coming and then transfer that emotion on the goal that you have and then practice with it and play with it. And another way of doing it is to read more or consume more, let's say, content, books, videos, whatever it might be, of successful people. How would these successful people feel? How did they feel when they reached their success? And even if it's starting with, for example, watching some YouTube motivational video from some guy going like, oh like even if it's that. Something where where you, where you can get a feeling for that emotion. And what I often work on with my coaching clients or what I always work on with my coaching clients is to go as deep as you can into that feeling. And I mean, I'm a very direct and straightforward person, probably because I'm German. So when I'm with a coaching client and they, for example, close their eyes and say like, oh yeah, yeah, feels good, feels good. I say, come on, cut the bullshit let's let's go really into the feeling. What would it really feel like? And suddenly their body goes like, oh, and they feel like really the feeling and they, they, they feel it in all their body and they can see that change. And I'm like, now you got it.
1: All right. So speaking of Germany, tell us about your childhood. Did you grow up in a family where... You were taught, okay, if you want something, you have to work hard for it. Were you taught, here's how you can create something? I want to know about that first. And then secondly, I want to know about when you had your illness and how you got your body restored. You restored your health. Mm
2: -hmm in your body. When it comes to my childhood, the the way I, or let's say the way my childhood trauma in a sense manifested had nothing to do with my parents. I have the most loving parents you can imagine. And I have an incredibly amazing relationship with my parents. Um for me it was I was born with a congenital heart defect and my twin brother died during birth, which was another trauma that I wasn't aware of. Um, But that's another completely different story. Like he actually came down during a Joe Dispenza event and I saw him uh as he would look like if he hadn't died back then and we had a conversation about everything. So that trauma is resolved. Um And that's actually something that I did some research about, which was really interesting because a lot of cardiologists are not aware of that. But when you are as a child, let's say for me, I was born prematurely, I had the congenital heart defect. Um, and then of course, as a result of that, my parents in the beginning, they couldn't really, let's say, hold me that much, cuddle me that much, like all these kind of things that, that often in the medical world are completely ignored with that because the nurse, maybe they touch you, I don't know, once a day or something, which for a baby is of course not really enough. So that's how my trauma manifested and. In addition to that, I also had that trauma from my twin brother, so for a very long time, um, I always was subconsciously, without being aware of it, looking for that other half, always feeling alone. Um, and I then, in my early 20s, lived out my sexuality in a very extreme way. So I had a lot of crazy experiences, a lot of also self-destructive behavior. And then, as the universe so wants, <laughs> My, now that we linked the topic a little bit, um, I then had, let's say, symptoms that started and it was discovered that I had a cyst in my bladder, first energy center, who would have thought about that? (laughs) So the universe basically showed me, yeah, you know what, if you would have had a broken arm, you would have just continued, so there you go, like your identity basically, whoop, gone. Because I was basically, let's say, identifying myself as this kind of, yeah, you know, many women, a lot of sexual experiences. And then the universe was like, stop. And that's actually led to my um, spiritual awakening. And then the during the, oh no, not during, I mean, yeah, during, after the surgery, I developed a lot of nerve damage. Um, Still, I mean, the surgeon who did that surgery for me, he really saved my life so i'm not i'm not even back then when i was like very very sick i didn't blame him for that at all it just it, it could happen because it was at a really at a really weird sit like uh really weird place directly um at the spinster so very dangerous for like nerve endings and all that kind of stuff and i then had severe nerve damage afterwards so severe that even when i put my boxer shot on like the that rubber band from the boxer shot i was screaming like i couldn't do couldn't do anything. I was just lying around and I uh, don't want to get too emotional while talking about it, but it was like a very, very um, painful time emotionally, physically, everything. And thank God during that time, um, I mean, two things for a very long time. I have uh, my spiritual mentor who's a family member of mine um, who was also my spiritual mentor before I ever accepted that something like spirituality exists. <laughs> and uh, she helped me a lot during that time. And during that time I actually got guided to Dr. Joe Dispenza. I got guided to his teachings. I got guided to um to Neville Goddard and all these different these different sources. And that's what then started my yeah, my healing journey.
1: And how long did it take you to heal?
2: I would say about a year, a little bit over a year. And I, I also want to make one thing clear. That's something that I, that I always talk about very honestly and openly. Um, because a lot of the testimonials also from Jody Spencer show these kind of miraculous healings where in, let's say, one meditation, boom, everything reversed. And those things can happen. I mean, when it happens to you, more power to you, that's amazing. For me, it was a different journey. For me, it was whenever I was in a meditation on not whenever, but let's say during that process of meditating, I got downloads. Like I got so many direct downloads into my brain. A lot of times when I was doing brain and heart coherence of certain amino acids that I've never heard before. I was guided to certain people that I've never met before. I was like, these things happened where suddenly like something, some name popped into my head during meditation. I was like, where's that coming from? And then I was Googling. I was like, whoa, interesting. And one thing led to another. And that's why it's always hard for me to say that... um, let's say how much percent was like physical healing from the meditations, how much percent was from the science that I got through the meditation or the downloads. But in the end, it doesn't freaking matter. Like however it comes to you. That's that's why I always say to my coaching clients, like it can come in ways that you cannot possibly imagine. But it, it, most of the time it comes in ways that you can't imagine because that's the unknown. That's how the universe operates. Otherwise, it would be predictable. And then it would be a predictable now. And what also helped me tremendously was, for example, um, the blessing of the energy centers meditation from Joe Spencer. and I still remember that, oh God, when I did the meditate I mean, I don't want to scare anyone away right now, but <laughs> I just want to say it honestly, when I did the meditation for the very first time, blessing of the energy centers, like all that, I always call it my mud energy, like all that old negative energy somehow wanted to break out, and I had like blisters here you can't imagine. It looked like the worst herpes infection you can just possibly imagine on my face. And I was like, looking in the mirror, I was like, oh my God, what's going on here? I was freaking out. And then I thought to myself, I will never do that again. But then, thankfully, I went to Facebook for some reason. And for some reason, there was a video from Joe Dispenza popping up where he explained exactly this phenomenon where they call it the Dispenza influenza, where... Your old energy has to get out somehow. And that was for me the first magical moment because I had these blisters all over my face there, like here on the chin. And I thought to myself like, okay, I mean, if that heals somehow, I will be scarred for life there. And then a couple of, I think it took a couple of days, like maybe about two weeks if I remember it. One morning I woke up, everything gone. No scars, nothing. Mm -hmm. I still have like here a little bit of dry skin sometimes. It's like this one tiny, tiny dot, but everything gone. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, what just happened? Like, I was so shocked by it. It was like, I was, this seemed so unreal to me. So, yeah, just so shocking in this moment. And yeah.
1: Yeah. You were detoxing.
2: A lot, apparently.
1: (laughs) That's what was going on. Obviously. I mean, like literally, right? Interesting. We, a lot of people believe that we create our own negative experiences and circumstances. And then that helps us create what we desire. If we can get off of the victim mentality and get into the creator mentality of instead of, oh, I'm just destined to live a life that's awful into how I look at it and what I suggest is, okay, when you know what you don't want, it helps you create what you do want. You got to have that dichotomy. You got to know, okay, this isn't what I want. And then that gives you the opportunity to start creating what you do want. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yes, I would agree with that. Um but there's also something interesting happen, happening, which I experienced with a lot of my coaching clients also in a certain extent or to a certain extent with myself. And that's that when you shift from that victim mentality, or let's say you live a, let's say you're in an abusive, re, let's make a really extreme example, abusive relationship. You hate your job. You don't love yourself. You have a physical illness, whatever it might be. And then you change every day you change a little bit, and you change your vibration you you reach for those higher frequencies and what then often happens, and that's something that people have a really big problem dealing with that the old life is breaking away like I experienced that for example, with multiple coaching clients where like for example, I also mentioned that in a podcast episode where one of my coaching clients um got angry that her abusive partner left her suddenly. And I was like, yeah, but that's exactly what you wanted. It's like, yeah, but, 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 but. Well, then people lose their jobs that they hated. And then, of course, the the new job is not there yet and they freak out because the old life is breaking away. And Joe Dispenza has this beautiful, beautiful saying for that that I actually wrote down in my affirmation list, which goes, I hope I can quote correctly again, um, if you can't figure it out, it's bigger than you. Just keep creating. And I always see it like this, if the old life breaks away, it's like the it's like you're standing at the bus stop and you just missed the bus, the bus is driving away. And the new bus with your better life, better experiences, better friends, better partner, better job is on the way, but you don't see it yet. So you're now in this realm of uncertainty, in the realm of, well, there we go back to the universe, unknown. And this is something that I believe freaks a lot of people out. This this feeling of unknown, the feeling of, okay, when will it come? How will it come? And that's why I believe the best thing through this process where you just said letting go of that victim mentality and stepping into your, let's say, into your future that you want to create, the best thing you can do, no matter if if left and right your life is falling apart, is to just continue to do it. Because reaching those frequencies should be proof enough for yourself that you're on the right path. And I've talked to a lot of people who've been through that, where left and right, everything was falling away. Until then, the better job came, the better partner, the the better everything. That's why nowadays... and. I think it takes a few small and also bigger manifestations to really, to really, really believe that and to say like, yeah, I'm cool with that. It's okay. But nowadays I know for a fact when I reach those frequencies and something in my life, let's say falls away, then I know something better is going to come.
1: Well, and you got to shatter the old before something new can come in.
2: (laughs) That's a, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. But it, of course, it depends. It depends also what kind of life you were living and in which, in which areas, for example. Um, some people, they need to let go of a lot of bad stuff from the, from, from the, from their past, uh, not past life, but let's say past self. Um, and others for them, it's just like a little switch and then it's okay. It totally depends on each individual. I always say this because whenever I mention that some people are like, Oh my God, I will lose everything. I'm like, No, no, don't worry. I also didn't lose everything.
1: Well, that goes back to the frequency thing. When you're thinking a thought, we're on a frequency like a radio station and that leads to another thought and another thought and another thought. So you lose your job and the next thought is, Oh my gosh, what you know, what if I can't pay my rent? What if I can't buy groceries? I'm gonna end up my family and I are gonna be end up being homeless and starving on the street. And you just wanna say, Really? No, but that's that frequency of those thoughts coming in. So we change the thought, we change the channel, we disrupt that frequency, and we have new thoughts that can come in. And it's always better to make a decision because everything leads us in the direction that we want to go instead of just staying stagnant.
2: Yeah.
1: I think when people are afraid, they lose Clarity because they're in fight or flight and the blood drains from their brain and they got all these stress hormones going on in their body and their body doesn't know the difference between a real fear and a fake fear. And and they've lost clarity and all they can think of is, oh, I got to get away from whatever this fear is. Well, the fear is you're going to be to an appointment late. Well, you know, that's not going to kill you or harm you, but it feels like it is because we're in fight or flight. And that's how we all react as humans because we're all hardwired for fear. So what I teach is two-minute rule. Ask yourself, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? (laughs) If it's a yes answer, get out of the road before the bus runs you over. (laughs) That's a rational fear. If the answer is no, then it's an irrational fear. As soon as you do that, you break the body from going into fight or flight. You go, oh, if I'm late for this appointment, Okay, well, I'll just call them and figure out when I can come in another time. But when you're in fight or flight, you're, you're losing your clarity. You can't even think straight. So it's all about that thought vibration. What channel are you on? What are you thinking? How do you focus on the thoughts that are, when it, if it feels bad, it's always based in fear. The key is, is it a real fear? Or is it a fake fear? 99.9% of the time, it's a fake fear.
2: That's actually very true. That's It's very, very true. And I still remember when I was living from that survival state. I mean, Jesus, like everything was a drama. Everything was, oh my God, I will die. Yeah. Oh my God, everything will end. And that's why I also have so much empathy for people who are starting out on that journey and who struggle so much with changing their thoughts and changing their emotions because, when you are conditioned for years and years and sometimes even decades to live in the survival state, it can take a while to recondition yourself to this new state.
1: Right. Well, in all the limiting beliefs that we pick up, my Mima, my grandmother used to say when I was little to my family, my siblings, and I'm sure she said this to my mother, she'd say, oh, you need to put a hat on because it's windy outside and you're going to catch cold. Well, you don't catch cold from the wind, catch cold from viruses. But even now at this stage in my life, I'm in my mid 60s and she's been dead for over 20 years. If it's a windy day, Sebastian, and I'm outside, I can hear my mimo in my head saying, oh, you need to put a hat on or you need to put a scarf on because, you know, the wind's going to get cold. Those... And those are those are raw beliefs that are all in there. And then I I laugh now. I think, oh, for heaven's sakes, no, it's not going to give me a cold. But that's where I go first. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think all of us have those. Recordings. I can very much
2: identify with that because I had the same, let's say, fear about health because of my congenital heart defect. I was always told, like, um, in the in the most best meaning way, but to be very careful to 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 yeah to not uh, let's say um, do too much, to not uh, do too much, too much let's say. How do you say to Yeah, to just be careful with everything. like, And of course, our subconscious mind could then feel like, okay, danger is around the corner. Right. Well,
1: were you allowed to play basketball?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I played a lot of... Like, I never I never okay. played like a team sport, but let's say with friends always. Like... like okay. All the time, yeah. Until our neighbors got crazy because yeah. of the...
1: <laughs> How do you get somebody convinced that they're not creating all this drama in their lives. Because I think that we're all brought up that things happen to us. And it's a a big mind shift to go to things happen for us. Because again, that's how we create when we know what we don't want it helps us create what we do. But how do you get somebody off of dead center that just thinks, what do you mean I'm creating this for myself? Why in the heck would I just, would I create something that's so awful? Why would I do that? How do you, what, what's your technique that you use to get people to think differently?
2: Whenever I have a coaching client, let's let's use a few practical examples. If I have somebody, for example, with a health issue. I always ask them about their life, how they are living their life, how they experience their life, what kind of beliefs they have, what kind of beliefs they've been brought up with. And from countless coaching clients and also amazing people who I talk to, also amazing people from the Joe Dispenza retreats. Um, I can, oops, uh, I can confidently say that with, I think everyone that I ever talked to, just like with me, with the way I lived my life in my 20s, that it had to be my first energy center in this area. Like with so many people I talk to, for example, let's say if somebody never speaks up, like they never speak up for themselves, they're always quiet. They're always told, ah, don't speak up. You're not, let's say your opinion doesn't matter. And then they have some thyroid issues or some, um, in the worst case, throat cancer, like the fifth energy center, then for other people, for example when it's um when they don't feel safe in their environment, when they're always conditioned to yet yeah, to not feel safe to feel alert, then often the digestion doesn't work, which was for me also a big thing, actually a big part of my of my healing after my my surgery. My whole digestive system was like completely messed up because i didn 't feel safe, of course, I felt complete. Cortisol, boom, through the roof. Um, but a lot of people who I talk to, when I then talk with them about their life and for the first time, they make that connection in their mind, like, here's my sickness. Here's the way I live my life. And there's a complete match. Then they often go like, Oh, oh, oh. And then they, then they realize it. And same again, when it comes to money, let's say, For example, a person um, doesn't make a lot of money or when they make some money, they lose it immediately again. Um, I always ask about how they've been brought up, what beliefs, and then often, or I would say all the time basically, some stuff comes up like, yeah, you know, I was always told um, I'm not worthy to spend money on or I'm not worthy or like all these limiting beliefs. There's always something that leads, as you just also said, there's always something that leads to that result in our life. And I would say that most people, at least the ones who I coach, well, <laughs> let's say all of them were I coach, because they already have a very high interest in, let's say, the law of attraction into um, creating their life, they then see it. Sometimes it takes a while and sometimes they fight it. Sometimes they say, like, yeah, but, 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 um, but, 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 they see it. I mean, I, for example, I had coaching sessions. I will never forget that with with people who just had one session with me. Then they decided to not continue. And then a couple of weeks later, I got an email or WhatsApp or something. Oh my God, now I see it. I see the connection. I finally see it. Thank you. Sometimes it takes a while. I mean, for me back then, for my health issue, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> but sometimes it just takes a while.
1: Well, what you're, what you're doing is you're reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. Their, whatever their issues are to figure out where does it and originate. And again, once it's illuminated, then it doesn't have any power over them anymore. The fear is gone because they can see it for what it is. And there's also
2: an amazing book. I think it's called Heal Your Body from Louise Hay, where like all these different mm-hmm. um, illnesses are described in same spiritual symptom way. And it's beautiful what you just said with the fear because That was for me this incredibly beautiful realization that I admit took a while for me to really internalize. Like, I always want to say that honestly, it wasn't like some overnight thing. I'm like, okay, the law of attraction works. I will heal myself. I had a lot of dark nights of the soul, like so many, 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 many. I just didn't quit. And this realization that, okay, if I create that health issue by being such a, let's say, douchebag and idiot and whatever I was back then and acting from that survival state. If I change who I am would it be possible to uncreate that because it's no longer me? And that's I think a beautiful and also powerful realization.
1: Because that behavior that you exhibited before is putting a vibration out there that's getting you a vibration returned that's less than optimal yep. <laughs> obviously so when you change what you're doing and how you're thinking and and i think at the beginning of our conversation sebastian when you said the emotion is key to the manifestation because people can read affirmations all day long I'm I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And you're thinking, how in the heck am I going to pay my rent this month? Or whatever. But it's visualizing. It's feeling it. It's as if. It's it's being an actor in a movie or a play.
2: Yes, method acting basically. And even if you say, if you say exactly. affirmations are the way to go, then feel your affirmations. Read them out loud. Feel yourself right. into them. And I love the idea of being a method actor, of like being so... Um, involved in that, that character that you want to create, that you become it. I always think about this actor. What's his name again? Oh, Austin something, Austin Butler, that guy who played Elvis, where if you, for example, in that Elvis movie, if you watch like some interviews before, his voice was different and he can't get rid of that voice anymore. He now has this kind of like deep Elvis voice from the movie. He really became. That character that he played. So if you look at your life and you say like, okay, I want to become, let's say, really wealthy. I want to travel the world. I want to be financially free. What kind of character would I be? And let's break it down in the tiniest, tiniest steps. I I did that. I asked myself that. I mean, I still remember when I became friends with the very first millionaire, I was like looking at him like, aha, interesting and observing everything the way You walk differently, talk differently, use different words, opportunities instead of problems, like all these small little details. Like how do you want to be? Ask yourself, how would the healed version of myself speak, act, think, behave? How would the wealthy version of myself speak, act, think? And everything in between. (laughs) So that's basically
1: Well, your suggestions of watching movies, reading biographies, Things like that, I think, are a really good first step to being able to know how people do behave and think when they're in that position. Because we don't have a frame or reference for it if we've been living in the ghetto. I mean, how how do you know how somebody who's wealthy thinks? You don't.
2: I'm a big fan of like reading biographies. Um, I did that a lot, watching movies, but also putting yourself in these social situations or let's say social circles. What I, for example, often give as a tip to my coaching clients and <coughs> what I often give as a tip to my coaching clients and also to my um listeners is to just walk around in the richest part of your city. To go to a five-star hotel in that city and to just order a water in the lounge. Just just the water. It doesn't have to be expensive or not order anything and just say there, hey, I'm waiting for my friend. Can I just wait here for a moment? Um like I and I still do that, for example. I still do that when I'm visiting my parents in Germany. I still love to walk a little bit uh in the, let's say, in that newly built, um very wealthy villa um, region of the city and just soak in the energy. Even though I don't want to live there and I don't want to buy a house there, but to just soak in that energy. And then the next step would be to get so confident and say, Okay. I'm going to go to some networking event. I mean, the very first real estate networking event I went to, I still remember that. Like I, I didn't have a lot of money and those people were like, yeah, you know, I got these rental properties. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt, I basically felt like a, I always say it like I felt like a dog and a cat party. Like who's the imposter here? But the more I put myself in these situations, the more normal it became. Just like I'm now staying in a five-star hotel, which is for me nowadays completely normal. A couple of years ago, I would have been like, oh my God, who's for rich people. So it's, the change can happen when you, when you do those things. It's, it's simple things, like very simple things of going in these neighborhoods.
1: I have a friend who's a Broadway star. She's a Broadway actress. And she starred in a show about a country singer named June Carter Cash. And there was a part of the show where she went out into the audience for about 10 minutes and she would talk to the audience and she would sing songs and she would do things like that. And she said every night before the show started, she thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And she said when she during that 10 minute period when she was out in the audience, it would work great and she'd come back on stage and she'd think, I have no memory of what just happened. So she was channeling, I believe, June Carter Cash, who's deceased, her energy. But I think that we can do that and remember what it feels like as well by just imagining like what you're talking about, you know, go to that part of town. If you're in New York City, go walk down Fifth Avenue, go walk in the areas where you'd like to live or you'd like to, if you want to be on Broadway, go walk up and down Broadway, go, go see all those theaters, go mingle with the people, even if you can't afford to go to a show and find out the shows there, there are ticket places where you can go where the unsold tickets they sell for pennies on the dollar. Go buy one of those and go to a show if that's something that you aspire to do. So I'm with you on that. Who is Neville Goddard and why are you so fascinated by him?
2: Neville Goddard, you can say, was one of the earliest, um, let's say, teachers of, I mean, how he put it, the law of assumption, where you assume that the wish is fulfilled and why I'm so fascinated about him. And I'm always careful when I address this topic because some people are very, very much triggered by that. But I'm so fascinated about him because he... in He, the way he interpreted the Bible and read the Bible, basically for him, the Bible is this incredibly powerful book that shows us how to create our life, how to manifest our life. Like he quotes a lot from the Bible about like where you read that and you think to yourself, yeah, that's, that's creation, that's manifestation. And I'm so fascinated by his teachings. Because of, first of all, because of that, because he incorporates a lot of that, let's say, ancient wisdom, wherever those, this wisdom comes from. <laughs> um, that's a completely different topic now again, but let's say how we have this handbook for creation and we just got it oh so wrong. Um, again, I have to be careful what I say here. That's at least what, how I see it. Um, and I'm also so fascinated because he shares a lot of those practical examples of people back then before the internet before smartphones before all this how they were using it to manifest and there's just something about his teachings like I listen to his to to these recordings to the to the to those lectures over and over again and I always whenever I listen to it I get some new insights some new little little thing it's hard to put into words yeah that's 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 what, that's what, um, how do you say that's what motivated me actually to start the Neville Goddard Decoded podcast, where, where I talk specifically, um, which is my other podcast next to the Affirmation to Manifestation podcast, where I talk specifically about Neville Goddard's teachings.
1: And who was Neville Goddard? What
2: you could he call do? him a philosopher, you could say. You could call him somebody who, who had these insights way before the law of attraction or the law of assumption was somehow in or mainstream. I mean, it's still not that 100% mainstream, but yeah.
1: Talk to me about that placebo effect. How does that come into play or does it?
2: Um, I believe that manifesting and creating is... It's more than just a placebo. Let's say it like this. I mean, a placebo effect would, let's say as an example, would be um you have a medical study. You give one control group, for example, the medicine and the other group, you give some kind of saline injection or you give some kind of sugar pill and you tell both of these groups, hey, you got the medicine, this heals um whatever you have. And then both groups get better because of the belief that they can get better. Because they place... Their attention, where attention goes, energy flows, they place their attention on this, let's say this capsule, and they associate it, associate healing with that capsule. So whenever they take it subconsciously, they're like, there's this relief, they're like, oh, I will be healed, I will be healed. And I believe you can create that with manifesting in yourself. So I do believe the placebo is a powerful effect, can be a powerful effect, but at the same time, um. Yeah, as Jonas Benza says in his book, you are the placebo. Like you can be your own placebo.
1: Well, I've I've cre- invented surgical devices sold throughout the world, and I had to do clinical studies. And and although I wasn't doing drugs, but the pharmaceutical industry, the placebo effects more effective a lot of the time than the drug than the medicine that they're testing. Like fifty two percent on average, people have a positive response to the sugar pill or the saline shot when they think they're getting the medication. It's way better with the placebo effect than it ever is with whatever the drug is that they're developing. It's pretty interesting.
2: About it. A lot of people, they just hear that and they think like, oh yeah, it's quite effective, yeah, yeah, placebo. But to really think about what that means, like how powerful our subconscious mind, our brain truly is, to make these yeah. these chemicals basically ourselves and then... It's for me, it's still mind blowing it's there are so many things actually about let's say about manifesting or about this work about spirituality, especially when it comes to brain and heart coherence, where I sometimes still struggle to really analytically explain it, but I just know it works, and I know it's there. it's still so it's still fascinating. I think i will i will i mean, not just i think I know that I will be a lifelong student of this work
1: well, and I don't think we're supposed to know everything. <laughs> I think how boring life would be if we knew everything. It's the adventure. Maybe in 15,000 lifetimes. And and it's about, well, yeah, and it's about creating. Because what happens when you manifest something? What do you immediately do? You're creating something else. It's about the adventure. It's about the journey. And then what happens when we die? We go back to heaven and what do we do? We create our next lifetime. What is it that we want to come back and we want to explore and experience? So it's all about the creation. It's not so much achieving the destination. It's about the journey getting there. And then what are you going to create next? And that's what makes it so fun and interesting.
2: Yeah. And I also believe um, what you just said with that journey. I think in the beginning, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I just want that, that money or I just want that healing and then everything is good. But then when they realize their power, when they really, it's just, I always, I always see it like in this movie X-Men, you know, when, 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 when some, some mutant discovers their power and they go like, Oh my God, whoa. It's like you discover that power that you have within you and you cannot, un you cannot unknow that. You cannot go back to the old, yeah. to the old thing. You just can't because you know too much. You've experienced it. And when you've experienced it the first time, then you just can't stop. I mean, why would you? It feels so freaking amazing. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to then stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would say like, "Oh yeah"? I mean, now I created financial freedom and I'm in a happy relationship, but eh, I don't want to manifest anymore. Doesn't make doesn't make sense. So you will just continue and continue. And at some point, that's at least what it is for me. It's like a game. It's a fun game of what can I create? What can I do? Yeah.
1: Although, uh, when people have that subconscious tape playing in their heads, even when they create something good. It's been my experience, if you agree with yours as well, that you got to address what's that bottom line there, because you can go back down and be having to Create it again because that belief is still there, that limiting belief, which is why the two-minute rule I love so much when somebody makes it a habit because you identify, okay, this is a limiting belief that's false, based in an irrational fear that's false. When you know it's false, you don't go back to to believing that it's true. But if you don't investigate it, it's still there playing its tape under the surface and can affect an outcome.
2: That's true. And I think what can also happen sometimes um, is let's say if somebody's on a, really good, um, on a really good run, so to speak, they manifest, they create their life, but then life gets busy. Something happens, for example, um, in their family, something happens where, whatever it might be, something in the external, and then they forget then like one day without meditation turns into two, turns into three, turns into four, and so on and so on. And that's why I also love this this quote from Joe Dispenza where he says, I don't care when you stop, I just care when you start again. It's Life can happen. There are, there are parts where, where you're really busy and where, where things happen, but to then not forget completely, like to remember again. And to then go back again and to not see that as a failure when it happens. To not be hard on yourself, but to be kind with yourself, compassionate with yourself. And then just go at it again, basically, with even more energy and more power.
1: Is there a best way to meditate?
2: I mean, when it comes to meditation for manifestation, I personally, um, I also have my own guided meditations. But I personally um, use the ones from Joe Dispenza. Because I think for myself, it would be weird if I listened to my own ones. Um, I really like the ones from Joe Dispenza. And when it comes to meditation, for just relaxation, then of course, breathing in, breathing out is enough. But when it comes to manifesting, I truly believe the most powerful step-by-step process that I can actually share with you now is for me, step number one, tune into my heart, create brain and heart coherence. Make sure, so to speak, that the Wi-Fi signal is on, <laughs> um, and then in the next step, picture what I want, like picture it in such a great detail. I always visualize in the first-person perspective. So, for example, when I manifested my healing, um, I was visualizing like in depth, like how I was like dribbling the basketball, to 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 to, how it would feel like jumping up and doing like a layup, and hearing like the whoosh in the net, like a really incredible movie scene, and all of that while you're in a meditation, while your heart is activated, and then in the third step, then draw it back with your elevated emotion, and go as deep as you can in that feeling. That's like that simple three-step process that I believe when it comes to meditation for manifestation, that's perfect, and you can do that with guided meditations, but you can of course also do it just for yourself, closing your eyes, or having some background music, however you prefer.
1: So would you recommend doing that for somebody, let's say, that's lost their job and they're out of their savings and they don't know where their next money is going to come from to put food on the table and they're manifesting and at the same time they're thinking, oh my gosh, i got to pay these bills. I've got to go to the grocery store and buy food for my family is that something that they can do in the short run when they're in that panic mode? Would it be helpful?
2: I mean, it's interesting how you said in the short run, of course, I can never put a time frame like when things will change, but I believe 100% yes, it's a good thing to do because I know it from my own life. Like um, before I stumbled upon, let's say, law of attraction, law of assumption, manifesting, um, I never made more than $1,500 with my business. Never, ever. And um and for me back then, like, I still remember a time where I could barely afford a flight back to Europe. I was, I was eating not really healthy food because I, like, I had to save, let's say the money it was very much in lack. And for me, very fast, when I really tuned into those frequencies of abundance, it wasn't like the money was raining from the sky, but it was like ideas were popping up. I met people, things happened. I mean, I still remember the most. Let's say, quote unquote, unrealistic thing that happened was that people answered my emails, outreach emails that I sent about a year before, which doesn't make any freaking sense because how can they still be in their inbox? But it happened when I reached these frequencies. So, for example, if let's say somebody's in this position, they, they just lost their job, no bills, whatever. Take action in the physical realm. Always remember one foot in the physical realm, one foot in the spiritual realm. So send out the job applications. Um, go to interviews, like don't just sit on the couch and do like, um I won't apply to jobs, um that's of course not the right attitude. But let's say apply to jobs, do these things, but then in the spiritual realm, really reach that frequency of abundance. And that's when the right people can come to you, when the right opportunities can come to you, when ideas can come to you. Um, that's something that I experienced now with so many coaching clients. I mean, just remember one coaching client who before they started working with me sent out so many job applications and I said like, okay, now let's do both. Just continue with that, but tune into the frequency of abundance and suddenly interview, 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 interview. And they were like, which job shall I take? I'm like, whatever you want. It's your pick, it's your creation. Whatever feels right, tune into your heart. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think when The Secret came out, Oh my gosh, I don't even know how long ago. Maybe maybe it's been out twenty years ago or something. And people said, Okay, I'm doing my affirmations and I'm I'm reading them every morning and I'm looking at myself in the mirror when I say them and I say, But you gotta take action. That that old saying, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> you gotta take action.
2: When it comes to inspired action, because a lot of people when they are let's say in this in this spiritual community, they think like, Yeah, but If I then do something, then it's not manifesting. Then it's like just me doing something. So it's not spiritual. And I'm like, aha, interesting. So you're meditating. During the meditation, you get the idea for the business. But when you then start the business, it's not manifesting. (laughs) Really? And I always joke in the sense like if I get an idea for a product or for, let's say, for a podcast episode, I can't just stand in front of my microphone and say like, universe, record. Go. Universe, please record. I still have to do it myself. (laughs) And I always use these extreme examples to really illustrate to people like, it's inspired action. That's what it's all about. It's about inspired action. It's not about like eating potato chips on the couch and meditating and getting one impulse after another to leave the house, but to say, no, it has to fall from the sky. That's not the right strategy. (laughs) I agree.
1: One last question for you. Why do we incarnate?
2: <laughs> that, that's a very good last question. Um, <laughs> you got the hardest question at the end. Why do we incarnate? It's a good question too. I, you know, now now we can actually have a conversation for another hour when we start this topic because I I I've, I've thought about this for so so long. I can I can explain it a little bit on my own. Um, let's say in my own knowledge from my past lives, it's just my, my own journey. Um, apparently I was kind of a bad guy in my last life and, and my past life. And I was born with this congenital heart defect. And I also learned at a very young age when I didn't want to hear it from my spiritual mentor, um, you're, job or let's say your opportunity in this lifetime is to connect with your heart and listen to your heart and become somebody who really loves people, who loves, let's say, being around people, helping people. So for me, in this case, this reincarnation with that congenital heart defect made complete sense because I was basically born with that. You can say broken heart, damaged heart, however you want to call it, and as a result of that, I have this wonderful opportunity that I now see as a wonderful opportunity. Back then I didn't, but now I see it as a wonderful opportunity to connect with my heart, tune into my heart, help other people to do the same and to spread more love in this world. And I just hope. And I also nowadays believe firmly <laughs> that I will do my best that I can on this, in this lifetime. I mean, there will be days when I fall from grace. There will be days when old self takes over. Um, there will be ups and downs. But in general, I believe that I will do my best in this lifetime to make the learning experiences that are good for me, that I should be doing, that I that are that are bringing me further on that path. And then let's see what the next lifetime brings. I don't know yet. <laughs> it's
1: been my experience in working with. Tens of thousands of people and doing past life scans is that will bring a semblance of a script from lifetime to lifetime so we can look at it from a different perspective and and then we grow, and our spirit grows we like oh okay, did that let 's look at it from this perspective like let's say somebody 's an addict in this lifetime, well, maybe in a past lifetime they were the parent of an addict or the sibling of, or the spouse of, or the child of, or the doctor of, or the what friend of, whatever. And we just look at the, look at the same basic script from a bunch of different perspectives. And it, it helps us enhance and expand our spirit and our soul and our, whatever you want to call it, our energy field. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us. Certainly a lively conversation with lots of thought provoking <laughs> points. We'll have to do this again sometime. So, everybody, thanks for watching and listening. Sending you lots of love from Sweet Home, Alabama, <laughs> moi, from me and from Hungary, exactly. <laughs> where Sebastian is. So, thanks, everybody. See you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit askjulieryan.com.
1: This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.